Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. It's been a month since some St. Louis area students returned to class, and being back in school has been a big relief for many students. But it also has parents on high alert, and they're watching, of course, for exposures to the coronavirus and hoping desperately to keep their kids safe from any COVID-19 outbreak. But as Belleville News Democrat reporter Megan Valley recently reported, parents' quest for information is complicated by one big thing, HIPAA. And joining me today to talk about this situation is reporter Megan Valley. Megan, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. I understand you started pursuing this story because parents were calling you. What kind of information were they looking for when they reached out to a reporter? Yeah, so most parents who were reaching out to me They had heard either through the grapevine or from friends or from someone who they knew who worked in the district that there were confirmed cases, um, usually among staff members so far. And really, they were just looking for a more official source um, just to say, you know, clearly what the situation was, how many people were being affected, um, rather than just having it come through hearsay. And were they not able to get these answers directly from the district where their, their children are enrolled? Yeah, so part of the issue is that a lot of these districts are communicating things differently. So for some, they might send out a letter that just says there was a case, so there were more than one case, or there was more than one case, without giving a definite number or sharing information about what buildings um, those particular cases might be in. And some won't release anything until a reporter calls them and asks if they can confirm Hmm. um, that they've had someone test positive, yeah. So knowing that there's a case somewhere within some of these very large buildings, that's probably not nearly as helpful as knowing, hey, there was a case and your kid might have been exposed to it. Were you hearing from a lot of parents who just weren't able to get that level of detail? Yeah, so we were receiving emails. I got a couple of phone calls or messages over Facebook just wanting some clarity from the situation. I think what they're really looking for is a more standardized way of communication so that they know what to expect and they know how often they're going to be updated and just to have a better sense of what they can expect to know um, rather than just if someone happens to call in and do a short news story about a case in a school. Hmm. Now, you mentioned in your story that even in districts where students are learning remotely, parents are still concerned about this issue. Why so? Why would they care at that point? Yeah, well, I think what their main concerns I've heard from the parents in those situations is that in the next coming weeks, you know, if in-school learning becomes a possibility, most districts are still going to offer the option for students to be remote, whether that's for the rest of the quarter or the semester or longer, um, depending on what numbers are looking like. Mm -hmm. And so for those parents, their concern is they're they're going to have to make a decision about whether they're going to send their kids back to school their their feeling is that if schools aren't being upfront about what the situation is now without kids in the building, then how how will they know that if they are to send their kid back to school, that's going to change and that they are going to get more information? So it feels like a transparency issue to some of these parents. Yeah. Yeah. I think that if they know what they're going to, if, if they know what sort of information they can expect to learn, they feel more confident about the choices that they're making with their kids. Hmm. Um, 
just moving forward. Now, as your story pointed out and and really described very well, many of these school districts are citing HIPAA in saying no, and that's the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. And in general, it's meant to keep medical records private. And so there's a real question of does it apply in these cases? Well, you spoke with Rob Gatter. He's a professor of law at the Center for Mm -hmm. Health Studies at St. Louis University. And our producer, Lara Hamden, followed up with him. And she asked if school districts were interpreting this law, the HIPAA law, properly. He gave us an overview of what HIPAA actually says. HIPAA does not prohibit the release of all information. It protects only individually identifiable health information. So there's nothing wrong with saying three first graders, uh, two boys and one girl in the following school district. But there is something wrong with saying here are their first names and last names, social security numbers, here are their addresses. And it's also not okay to hand out so much demographic information about them that it would be possible to piece together who they are. So the, what, what the law says is that, it's, that protected information is identifiable health information and any information that could be reasonably used to create identifiable health information. And that is Rob Gatter of St. Louis University's Center for Health Law Studies. Now, that all makes perfect sense, right? Well, he also added this. And then there are exceptions to HIPAA. And one of those exceptions is for public health purposes. And that's both in terms of receiving information. So sometimes people who have private health information are reluctant to report it. So imagine you're a physician and you spot... um, you know, you're treating a patient, you discover that they have a sexually transmitted disease, and you know that the local or state public health um, agency wants to have that information because they want to do their own contact tracing. But you think, well, gee, I learned about this in the course of treating this patient, and so I want to keep it confidential. Am I allowed to breach my obligations of confidentiality as a physician in order to share that information? Well, HIPAA specifically says that's okay. And then it also addresses the fact that public health agencies themselves can use which includes disclose, even protected health information for public health purposes. And that, again, is Rob Gatter, a professor of law at the Center for Health Studies at St. Louis University. And Megan Valley, a reporter at the Belleville News Democrat, um, first talked to Rob about this. We then followed up to talk to him ourselves. Megan, the upshot seems to be that if individuals won't be identified, that information can be revealed. Do you feel like school districts have a good understanding of that at this point? Well, I think that part of, I guess, the miscommunication about this is that the school districts right now are really looking to their public health departments to make these sort of decisions. And of course, you know, those health departments are the ones that are doing the testing. They're the ones who are going to have that information first. Um, And I think that the expectation in a lot of places is that if an employee tests positive, that they'll let their employer know. but really they're sort of looking for the guidance of the health departments. And so when I've spoken to them, you know, that they'll in Madison and St. Clair counties, they'll say that, you know, that's something that they would know internally, but they're not necessarily going to break those numbers out hmm. um, just for the public to see at this point. And do they acknowledge that they could break those numbers out, but they're choosing not to, or do they fall back on HIPAA and say, you know, we can't give you this? Yeah, so they, the health departments especially, um, have been falling back on HIPAA in that situation. Um, even though in Illinois, we've seen other instances, especially with long-term care facilities, where they are breaking out that information. Um, and those tend to have much smaller numbers than, say, you know, 
a school district that might have a few thousand people. Mm -hmm. Um, But so they'll do it with, you know, nursing homes and other long care, long term care facilities and give us that data. Um, But for whatever reason, they're drawing a distinction between those places and school districts, um, because in long term care facilities, those patients or whoever lives there. They're there full time. They know that they didn't catch it at the grocery store, for instance. So they're worried about maybe these school districts will get blamed or it'll it'll look like there's a problem at the school when really the person involved could have picked it up anywhere. Exactly. And talking to superintendents and some local districts, that definitely seems to be the case that they're very adamant that, you know, just because we have a staff member who tested positive, that doesn't mean that they caught it from school. It doesn't mean that they caught it from a coworker. Um, So it definitely seems to be something that they're very concerned about. Hmm. I mean, that seems like a very fair point for them to make. But on the other hand, it seems like they could give people this information that people want to know and then also add that context. You did such a good report on this that made it clear that HIPAA does not hold people back to the extent that some people think it needs to. Did that make any difference in how some of these districts and health departments are handling these sort of questions? Yeah, I'm not sure if it's made a difference yet. I have noticed in... The past couple of days when I've looked at some districts, some smaller, more rural school districts that I didn't report on for the initial story um, on their websites, they'll have some sort of dashboard. I've really only seen it where they're tracking staff members hmm. and not students. But I don't know if that's a result of this story or if it's just a school district that I didn't check on um, before the story ran or not. That's that's a fair point and, yeah, an interesting distinction there. We asked Rob Gatter, who, again, is with St. Louis University's Center for Health Law, we asked him if his sense is that government and business entities sometimes hide behind HIPAA in ways that they shouldn't. And, and here's how he responded to that question. It's, it's such a difficult question mm-hmm. to answer. And mm-hmm. so I don't think anybody's acting in bad faith. But I do think that there's a sense that I might get in trouble. And generally speaking, when you think about it in normal times, where the most typical kind of contact tracing that's going on would be for standard childhood diseases and sexually transmitted diseases. And so you're gathering that information and you understand the idea that there's a circle of people within which I share this information and everybody else I don't share it because that's how I get people to be honest with me so that I can do the contact tracing and the surveillance so that we know how far has this spread, who's likely been exposed, and we can counsel them. And part of our counseling them, and when we say you now need to give us names, is yes, we're going to reveal, most likely when we go talk to these people, they're going to know it was you. Or you'll be on a list of three people that they think it might have come from. But we're not sharing with anybody else. And this is why we do our job this way. Then you add in this new thing where suddenly everybody wants to know for their own safety and for their own curiosity, for their sense of the safety of their sort of their school district, their town, or their region of the state. And the impulse has been only these people and nobody else. And so you fall back on that to say, I would get in trouble if I do this. What I remember is HIPAA says no, or state confidentiality laws say no, except for limited purposes. And I don't know for sure if this doesn't seem like a limited purpose, suddenly being called by a, a, a reporter or even do, or doing a news conference. So they're unfamiliar. So they fall back on the, I might get in trouble. I under, I, I, there are laws out there that protect confidentiality. So I'm just, I'm going to say that because generally it's true. I know it's true. I just don't know the contours of it 
in such a detailed way that I'm prepared to draw a new line in a new, draw a line in a new circumstance for me. I think that's what catches them. And so then, yeah, I think the default is keep it secret because that's their normal mode of operating when the disease is not one of public interest. And that is Rob Gatter of St. Louis University's Center for Health Law Studies. Now, Rob noted that public health agencies really should see the value of transparency. I don't practice public health, and I know enough to know that if you don't share information during a pandemic, you're not going to get the cooperation. Uh, you're going to be perceived as untrustworthy, and you, that is not going to work if you want people to follow you advi- your advice and to take seriously the facts that you're doling out when you're telling them to take care of themselves and act responsibly and to curtail their normal activities. Um, if I know that, certainly somebody who is a leader in a public health agency knows that too. And that's Rob Gatter of St. Louis University's Center for Health Law Studies. And Rob really suggested public health officials should take the lead, not just dump this on school officials, that in a lot of times school officials really aren't sure exactly what to do. And so they could use some strong guidance from those public health departments. Um, And Megan, that seems to speak to what you're saying, too, that these school districts seem to be somewhat referring to guidance from from county health departments. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And just to touch on another point that that Rob mentioned, when he talks about you know, you need that transparency in order to build trust. That's exactly what I'm hearing from from parents when they're talking about their school districts, too. Hmm. Now, you talked in your story about parents trying to play detective and get to the bottom of these things when people won't give them good information. Do you have any sense of how the roadblocks that they've seen in the Metro East and the districts that you cover, how that compares with other districts across the nation? Yeah, so most of the parents who I've talked to who have been able to do this sort of detective work, um, as they describe it, it tends to be in smaller districts. And so, and these are in districts where there is a little bit more transparency. They might post on their website that they had a staff member test positive, for instance, um, or a family did. And in those smaller communities, they might have enough people on Facebook that if they scroll through, they can see one of their students, classmates, parents post that the family's quarantining, for instance. So that's sort of how they're figuring out. Um, Yeah. And that's, you know, the family's posting that themselves. So it's not, a secret. They're being very upfront about it. You can't violate um, your own sort of HIPAA rights. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, so they're able to do that piecing together. Do you get the sense that um, in other places in the nation, the districts are being more forthright about this kind of information? Yeah. And I think that it's not even necessarily by state. I think that, as I mentioned, you know, there are some of those smaller districts that are now having their own dashboards um, to show how many active cases they have, for instance. Um, but there's actually a national database that's been created where if you submit a news article that confirms, for instance, that there was a case in this school district, they're sort of compiling that information. And through that, you can sort of see like which districts are being more upfront or which ones aren't. Mm-hmm. And then you can sort of use that um, to look at states more of a whole, more as a whole. What is that website? I have a feeling some of our listeners might be interested in, in following in some of your reporting steps and seeing what's out there. Yeah, so I it was started by a teacher. I believe it's now available through the NEA's website. 
Um, I think that they are the ones hosting it now. That's the National Education Association, the, the yes. teachers union. Okay, great. And we'll make sure to get a link to that on our website as we write up a, a summary of my conversation here with Megan. Our website is stlpublicradio.org. Mm-hmm. We'll make sure to link to that NEA database. Megan, what advice would you have for parents who are trying to seek this information short of them just stalking all their teachers and, and uh, schoolmates through Facebook? Um, any advice on how to get these kind of answers? Yeah, I think that part of it is reaching out to the districts themselves. Um, I mean, I've never had a district that I've called where they didn't necessarily tell me yes or no. There's certainly information that I couldn't get the number of cases that they've had so far. Um, But my experience, they will confirm yes or no at the very least. Um, And also just stay in touch with reporters. Um, If you send that to them, it allows us to write these sorts of stories Um, sort of explaining the situation and what parents are looking for and they're not getting. And that's a way to help apply pressure um, or to really show just what is the benefit, what's the public good um, out of being more transparent about what's going on in the schools. So you welcome these kind of tips. I I know um, not every reporter feels that way, but if parents want to reach out to you, if they've heard something, you are interested in tracking that down. Yeah, definitely. And it doesn't mean that necessarily every single one is going to be a story. But if I have enough tips and it sort of just creates a picture of what's going on and um, it maybe gives me districts that I should focus on more. Well, Megan Valley of the Belleville News Democrat, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. That's 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.